Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from Southern California, where the summer has finally uh, arrived. Hi, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood, and I'm coming to you from Harlem, and I'm mixing this up, and I'm also the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm using my NPR voice as well. <laughs> uh, I am Seth Rodney, and I am always amused, um, pleasantly uh, surprised by my co uh, my co hosts uh, Travis and Stephen. I am a senior editor at the Hyperallergic Blog and recent author of the Personalization of the Museum Visit, and I'm speaking to you from the South Bronx. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And we are picking up from our last podcast as closely as possible. So we kind of, you know, we're talking about positive aspects of Donald Trump's election. And, um, you know, we, we started to get it. Uh, so depending on your orientation, uh, either uh, abstracting or for me getting into the meat of it. Right. So the weeds mm -hmm. are the meat. So for mm -hmm. me, I, mm -hmm. I see this the, as the kind of the, the meat of the problem, mm -hmm. which is that uh, intellectuals on the progressive intellectuals in the academy where the the world and, and the academy is not invented in the world but intellectuals have invented the world they necessarily mm -hmm. haven't done the work for it but mm -hmm. but the world as it currently stands nation states big mm -hmm. you know monetary systems all the rest of it mm -hmm. uh, are the products of a, a you know thousands of years of intellectual work and mm -hmm. I see, you know, I've made the argument that uh, Donald Trump's presidency is a consequence of intellectuals abandoning that responsibility in mass. Mm -hmm. Now, not mm -hmm. to a man or woman. Clearly, mm -hmm. there are people that are still uh, fighting that fight. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like we have, you know, left. Uh, we've uh, we're not captaining the ship anymore. We're not even navigators anymore. Uh, we're basically uh, just interesting and in, uh, interested in, in tearing the whole thing down, mm -hmm. and Seth was uh, was, was sympathetic to that position, I think. And and you were talking about, you know, I think you had mentioned something about, uh, you know, if we're deconstructing history, you know, what are we doing after that? Uh, and Stephen, I think you had uh, some thoughts, or you don't, you know, I'm not sure if you if you thought they were fully formed yet, but. So what I heard Seth say was, in place of what? Deconstruct this, tear it all down, mm. burn the house yeah, down, yeah, yeah. and then in yeah. lieu of what? Or um, what would you replace it with? And I was thinking that deconstruction for me never felt like it was the total um, destruction of anything. It was the acknowledgement of systems and thought processes and, and wanting, to, um, wanting to see what the thing was made of, you know, from a variety of perspectives. And so um, this is so odd. I was trying to do something earlier with my recording, and I just saw two of my things jump up. It's very strange. At any rate, <laughs> um, <laughs> I look down and go, no, that's not supposed to be on. Um, so I was thinking, I didn't, I, I went and looked and I said, well, I'm going to just look at this idea of deconstruction. And, you know, it's Derrida, Jacques Derrida, an approach to understanding the relationships between text and meaning. Um, so maybe, Seth, I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit more about that example that you gave when you were talking about this guy, you know, people wanting to burn things down, but then they didn't have anything in place of it, you know, or they weren't salvaging part of the house. Do you mm -hmm. know, you know, could you talk a little bit more about that and 
I don't, I don't really know how to get it because these are just half thought out thoughts that I'm still thinking. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I am with you. And in fact, I'm looking up. Uh, um, well, let me what. While you look at while you look it up, let me jump in with something that for, okay. to, to to add. So, mm-hmm. you know, for Derrida, the world is a text, right? So, for him to say that there is an mm-hmm. instability between text and meaning is is actually a more profound critique mm-hmm. uh, of the rupture between what we think we mean and what we actually mean. Okay, um, mm-hmm. and and that there is a gap in that. Rupture and for Derrida, it was it was play, right? He claims in a number of of mm-hmm. interviews and in some of his texts that there's a play in that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Steph, did you find your thing yet? To... I did, I did. Okay, all right. So, yeah. uh, no, no, no. I was, I was just going to say, for, so text and meaning. You know, it, you know. I think holding Derrida something closer to, you know, sure, you can play with that instability between the signifier mm-hmm. and the signified. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right. So mm-hmm. that, that's I have no problem with that. It's that the critique was broadened out by Derrida at times and by those people that that followed him to to undermine the entire humanistic intellectual process. Um, right, right. And, and so, so I'm sorry, but, but Seth, yeah, no, no, but that's okay. exactly it. Like, and to say essentially that the whole intellectual humanist project was so flawed that mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can't even what was it? You can't. You can't um, something the master's house with his own tools dismantle. Is that yeah, right? That's, that's Audrey Lord. Yes, that's, that's Audrey Lord. You right, can't, you can't dismantle, dismantle the master's house with house the master's own tools. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that is a kind of cogent sort of aphoristic uh, encapsulation of what Travis is getting at. What I in sense, why in essence I'm getting at too, which is the idea that um, you. you and this is this is happening in art production throughout the 80s and 90s and the 2000s where people mm-hmm. were um making these sort of revisionist histories right like making mm-hmm. these sort of like uh, making these uh, constructing these kinds of projects that to, which were built on these sub subaltern right this sort of marginalized like uh uh stories histories making these things representative of how that humanistic project had failed and basically saying but and 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 what the the premise that sort of united all this work was that we need to make new histories if we are to be centered in this culture we being the marginalized mm. people people of mm-hmm. color people mm-hmm. marginalized by the sexuality by the uh, disability mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. and my question was always well great you de you you destabilize history but then what happens what happens now i, I mean mm. I, I don't see i don't see people being moved to the center i see the center collapsing right mm-hmm. and, and and the thing that i was looking for was that uh, a, p- mm. a passage from bruno latour's 2004 uh, a journal article why has critique run out of steam from matters yeah, of fact to matters of, con- yeah. of concern, right? And there's a moment in it where he says, while we spent years trying to detect the real prejudices hidden behind the appearance of objective statements, do okay. we now have to reveal the real objective and incontrovertible facts hidden behind the illusion of prejudices? 
And yet, entire PhD programs are still running to make sure that good American kids are learning the hard way that facts are made up, that there's no such thing as a natural, unmediated, unbiased access to truth, that we are always prisoners of language, that we always speak from a particular standpoint, and so on, while dangerous extremists are using the very same argument of social construction to destroy hard-won evidence that could save our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really nice encapsul- uh, a nice summary of of what the problems with this kind of mass critique have been, which is essentially that, yeah, we're still learning that, you know, facts are made up. Like, we get it. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, um, social construction of, 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 of knowledge is, is clearly, is clearly the, the, the bottom truth of our history, right? Like, we, we, we reject some knowledge that makes us uncomfortable and we accept mm-hmm. the, the, the narratives that make us feel comfortable in our place in the, in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. class, and, class and race and gender, essentially. Um, but what happens now? Like, what, like what, what do we do now? Because mm-hmm. it, we, we can say, like, yes, all of history is just biased. It's, mm-hmm. it's, ter- it's terrible. And they're, real, they're really discriminatory and prejudicial ways of looking at mm-hmm. human beings that exploit them and disadvantage them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What now? What yeah. do we do now? Yeah. I, I, uh, no, no. Uh, Stephen, do you have something? I do. I'm just thinking about this idea of the Freedom Project, and I don't know if it if it's if it's a cogent enough thought to sort of express. But this idea, I thought earlier on, you were talking about the center collapsing, and I was thinking, are we are we just in you know so in order to body the for the body to build muscle, you, t- you have to tear it. You have to exercise it, right? Mm-hmm, so the, mm-hmm. the tearing of it, to me, is feel, feels like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 that discomfort, because I don't think it's possible to disregard all of history or even parts of history. I think that we're constantly negotiating spaces on how to make history better mm-hmm. and also useful to people mm-hmm. rather than just one, set of, one group of people. And mm-hmm. also legible in a way so you don't... So you have your heroes and your heroines and your other folks, whatever. I I think because when you said it, the first thing I thought about was pronouns mm. and this idea of people becoming who they are, right? Mm. And the critique and the pushback and even the violence against people who decide to perform a different gender identity mm-hmm. than the one people say you were born with. Right. So that the idea is moving and it's tension, contentious and it's growing. I mean, it, it continues to um, fascinate people. Mm-hmm. But if you were born to be, there's a quote from Alice Childress where she says, and Alice Childress is a a playwright, an actress, and at the age of Mm -hmm. like in her 60s, she wrote a book called uh, Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. And it was about a 13-year-old heroin Mm -hmm. addict by the name of Benny in Harlem. This book Mm -hmm. was banned almost immediately. But Mm -hmm. she was trying to show, she kind of helped invent young adult gritty novels that really kind Mm -hmm. of dealt with what people were actually dealing with. Mm -hmm. And on it, the quote she says, and it's not from the book, it's 1992 actually, um, everyone benefits from being allowed to be their best self. Mm. And I hold to that, and it may be a bit Pollyanna-ish, but I'm really excited about the idea that if we really celebrate, if people were who they really were, and maybe they are already, but don't we have a society that we're, we're looking to birth and to change so I'm not. I like the deconstruction part of just being able to identify and see the board light up and go, oh, okay, and that has been described as this, but maybe we should look at this. Mm-hmm. That's exciting to me, but I don't feel like that there is a center. I feel like that there is a um, hmm. there is 
a there a set of platforms of ideas and one gets more broadcast than the other and one is really strictly enforced mm-hmm. even by people it it oppresses so so i i am sympathetic to that idea and i think there are aspects of it are tr- that are true but you had you had called it pollyannish and i or maybe it's pollyannish and i, I don't think it's mm-hmm. po- i don't think it's pollyannish but i i do think that that at the very sort of you you can't reinvent everything because there have to there have to be touchstones there have to be points of agreement there have to be points of contact and and that what I agree what with is, that yeah mm-hmm. I know I, I know you I, I know you mm-hmm. do yeah mm-hmm. what what I what I think I, let me let me give an example of Thomas Kuhn has this idea of called the auxiliary hypothesis right okay. so. Mm-hmm. The auxiliary hypothesis is the hypothesis that you that has to be true in order for your primary hypothesis to be correct. Right. Yes. Now, so your primary hypothesis is that uh, the best version of ourselves can only be arrived at by a certain kind of play and freedom and and we can't lock down our identities too firmly uh, whatever those identities might be in order for you to be your your true self. So I'm actually willing to grant all of those. As, I mean, I know that, that my own process of discovery and, and sort of uh, self, self-discovery and self-realization follows something like that. Like there's, there's, there's ways in which I have to play with expectations in order to do that. So I, I'm, I'm completely mm-hmm. with that. The auxiliary hypothesis that's unstated in, in that situation is that we have to assume that freedom is valuable. We have to assume that um, oh, that wow. uh, that, that mm-hmm. kind of liberty is mm-hmm. has any social value broadly, and and that that's an idea. That is not mm-hmm. a guarantee. That's an assumption that you are bringing mm-hmm. to the table, right. that I'm bringing to the table, that people who share our politics bring to the table, that mm-hmm. many people in the world do not bring to the table, right. have no interest agree. in bringing that right. to the table. Right. Two right. scoops of ice cream for me, one scoop of ice cream for you, right? right. That that's that belief undermines mm-hmm. the, the the thing that you value. And mm-hmm. that if it, so, and and here's where intellectuals have. I feel again, humanists in general. I'm making a broad generalization that mm-hmm. play too earnestly with deconstruction and postcolonial critiques. They've totally taken for granted the auxiliary hypothesis. They believe mm-hmm. that it will always be there, but it, it's not. People That's like. Right. Kids got their heads bashed in in the That's 1950s right. and 60s right. to assume that the three of us could be sitting here talking as equals, right? Like mm-hmm. the That's two right. of you, like like just right. this would not have happened 60 mm-hmm. years ago, 60 years ago. That's just mm-hmm. nothing in the span of time. Right. That that auxiliary hypothesis has to be protected and defended and fought for, and it needs a container. And for me, that container mm. is the idea of the United States and 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 other the ideas container. like it, mm. and which other you, ideas like it. Right, which is what, like which is a very clear and convincing articulation of what I was calling the center. That's the okay. center, yeah. right? Like yes. that's okay. the center. Yes. Like if yes. we don't come all come on and sign on for that project to say, actually, in this civic space, you and I are going to look at each other as equals, regardless of what gender we appear to um, present as, or what ethnicity, or what height, 
or what mm-hmm. level of ability. Like n- n- none of that matters. Like mm-hmm. if you're a grown ass man or woman or anyone else, intersex, whatever. If you show, if you're a grown ass human being, you show up. You deserve X, Y, and Z. Absolutely, right? yeah. because you're here. Right? Yeah. So I'm gonna use a law term: good faith. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're all working with this mm-hmm. idea of good faith, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going to mm-hmm. break into your house mm-hmm. while you're mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. You won't that's sleep a, with my wife. That's a center. That's mm-hmm. a center. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Good. That's it. I and do that, believe and, that. Right, and that's and the problem now is that if you if you collapse that center, right? If you say, okay, none of y'all. Let me let me let me let me say it in this way. Like if we're negotiating, right? And uh, like mm-hmm. c- Congress is negotiating. Uh, the adoption of a, a, a new law, and mm-hmm. it's in essence, they congressional members say to each other, "Ain't none of you motherfuckers bargaining in good faith." Mm-hmm. Right? Shit is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just not. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is and this is essentially what we have now. Right? We have a kind of congressional stalemate in that the House is run is is uh, no, it's not run, but it's 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 dominated by Democrats. So their agenda of checking the kinds of corruption, um, the myriad, myriad forms of corruption that are happening um, through the executive, uh, is being stymied by the Senate. Is being mm-hmm. stymied by the Senate. Um, so you basically have no legislation going anywhere, except for I think maybe Mitch McConnell suggested raising the age by for use of tobacco products to like twenty one, which is kind of like a thing that like <laughs> everybody else that. is like, yeah, okay, fine, but you can get e <laughs> cigarettes that that make t- nicotine taste like bubble gum. So what's the point of that anyway? Right. Um, so that's the state we're in, right? Like we because we none of us believe that the other side or other sides will bargain in good faith, we have no center. Mm. That's a problem. Yeah. And I think so, you know, if we can, you know, we talked about transitioning away from the the Donald Trump topic. I mean, I see, for me, one of the most positive aspects of his election has been like a a wake-up call to the responsibility that I personally have to, Mm -hmm. to, to, to put, you know, as, as Seth and I like to, to, to put my shoulder to the wheel, right? Yes. To, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to, yes. to, to do something to make the, the, play, the, the space and time where I live to, to build that project and mm-hmm. not just to, to throw stones at the edifice that Seth mm-hmm. said in the last podcast. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. my, that's my responsibility because, because other people don't share the auxiliary hypothesis that we share. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No. Yeah. What is it? Is it Allen Ginsberg that said it? That yeah. um, I'm putting my Probably. queer shoulder to the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Amer- in America in the poem America, he says that. Right. Okay. Right. And it's a it's a beautiful phrase, a beautiful poem. And I um, actually ran into someone the other day, someone I worked with at Hyperallergic. I edited his piece. That's his. Um, that's his actual email handle. Is queer shoulder to the wheel. <laughs> I just, oh, great, 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 I just thought, all right, that's good. I immediately like you. Like you, we we are on. See now, like I even even in that sort of sort of you know ridiculously um, um, uh, sort of obvious or or maybe even you could call that vapid way. Like I recognize someone as being um, as sharing that auxiliary auxiliary. Yeah. Premise with me, right? Like if yeah. he has that as his mm-hmm. his uh, 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 email handle, yeah. I just think, okay, you and I, like, we can talk. Like, we may right. not agree on everything, but we can talk. We can at least yeah. talk. 
Yeah. yeah. Although yeah. I, you know, I, I, I want to believe that. And then I also understand that, you know, people who's, uh, who people who don't share that hypothesis use Bruce Springsteen's born in the USA as their anthem, not at all understanding yeah. <laughs> the point. Of, so yeah. so I, I, I suspect you're probably right, but you know, um, but floating signifiers, right? People, people take mm -hmm. these things and they use them for different things. So, so, so let me ask mm -hmm. a question to both of you, because I think this is a really useful way to, to end. Um, is do you think Stephen G. Fullwood, C. Travis Webb, do y'all hmm. think that we've collectively, since that degenerate was elected president, do you think that the public has gotten generally smarter about what constitutes our politics in the U.S., or they've gotten more, well, I don't want to say dumber, but they've gotten more ignorant or more willing to turn a blind eye to what the rest of us recognize as truth. I mean, is it, is it, is it neck, is a net negative or positive since his election? Mm. I'm agnostic. I don't know yet. I, hmm. I mean, and I, I don't mean it as a cop out. I, hmm. I, okay. I really, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I was just thinking, I think people have gotten more fearful. I really couldn't go to the intellect part. Mm. I just more fearful, a lot more mm. um, mean. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's all I can, that's, that's what the antennas are telling me. Yeah. All but right. what about, all but right. what about, okay, so our group, our little group, um, I know it, it, it is, is, is not representative of the general population, but we haven't become more mean. We haven't become more fearful. Just the other day, Travis said, I read more Fox News now. Just the yeah. other day, you said, uh, Stephen, uh, I, I, I pay attention more to the people around me and what their, uh -huh. their sort of, what their projects are and how I can sign on. And, you know, me, I'm the one who's like, ugh, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even read Google News. Like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm afraid. Like, I'm, I'm fearful and I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm less enamored with, um, my fellow citizens. I, I have mo I have more modesty than I did before 2016. Though I, I that has definitely um, been how I how I've responded to it. I agree that that's a pretty clear assessment of how uh, Stephen and I have, and and I would even say maybe you too, Seth. Even though I know you feel slightly more misanthropic than us, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but uh, I also thought there was no chance that Donald Trump was going to win in 2016, and right. I was totally and completely wrong. So right. I I'm more modest about my my judgments about things like that. I just think that living in New York and also the kind of person I am, I, I, I see good in people. I see the light. I do mm, see light. Good. And I and I and I operate good. under good faith that even if you don't say good morning back to me or whatever, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what your struggle has been. Why take that mm. personal? Do you know? Mm. But I'd rather not take it personal and then it metastasize into something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd rather be on your side. I assume being on your side. Then, because I think there's so much more that that keeps us that that binds us and in loving ways, not just in terrible ways. But so I'm I actively look for that and operate out of that. That's great. Right. I, I love yeah. ending right there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I was going to say. I was going to say that's the that's the best ending I think we could yeah. have. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, gentlemen, thanks very much for the conversation, and I'll uh, talk Indeed. to you next week. Okay. Sounds great. Take care, guys. You too.